1: Bye. Bye. Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. Today's episode, friends, is the last in a series that we are doing on classroom management, behavior management, whatever it is that you want to call it. We've got a whole series that we are closing out today, and we are really excited to kind of like tie up all the strings and bring this home. Hi, Amanda.
0: Hi, Marie. I am really looking forward to talking today, especially after two bombshell interviews that you guys were able to hear the last couple of weeks. This was just such a fascinating journey for us to go on as educators and mentors and teachers ourselves. And I just really think this episode is going to do a nice job of bringing it all home.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, it's if you have not had a chance yet to listen to the earlier episodes in this series You might just want to pause this right now and go back to the last couple of episodes simply because 112 and 113 are the two interviews that Amanda is talking about, and they were just so good. Both John Rodney and Dr. Deanna Smith talk about all of the things that we, when we like envision our perfect quote unquote, perfect classroom that has, you know, happy learners that are all engaged. I mean, all the things that, you know, you sit there as a, as a teacher and you go, okay, but like that happens like maybe twice in a whole year and you get these like shining moments of, but it's, it's something to like strive for. And it's a feeling and an energy of community and of belonging and the strategies and the philosophy behind everything that both of them talk about It just marries so well. And that's what we're going to tie up today. So if you haven't had a chance to do that, you might just want to pause us and go back and listen to those first so that you're kind of like primed and ready for this conversation because Amanda and I are really talking to, I mean, here comes the punchline, right? Should we just give it away? Yep. (laughs) The punchline is that true compassion in a brave new teaching classroom is accountability that is the truest compassion and caring and love that we can give our students. It's doses of accountability. Always there's the caveat of make it make sense, right? Make it make sense for the kid. Make it make sense for the context. But truly, compassion is accountability. And we're excited to talk about that today.
0: Also, P.S., accountability is compassion. Can I say yeah. that? I yeah. Mean- that's the other side of it, too. And I think we really want to unpack that for you in this episode and just tie it all up and let you all off onto your merry way into your perfect classrooms, <laughs> quote unquote, for the rest of the school year.
1: Yep. You know what? I think it's time. Is it time? It's time to, to- cue the music. <laughs> Let's cue the music. <laughs>
0: You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more
1: than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a
0: teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our
1: courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Okay, friends, so now that we are all ready for this conversation about accountability, about compassion, about really showing our students how much we care by holding them to a certain standard, uh, let's talk about what that means, shall we? We're going to talk a little bit about, like, philosophically what we're talking about and then truly, like strategy, what it actually looks like in our classrooms. Um, And we are going to steer you to a couple of things that we have on the Revenue Teaching website. One is our Down with the Reading Quiz Masterclass, because that is one of the best resources that we have for you. But we're going to talk about that all in just a minute here. Amanda, do you want to get us started with a little bit of like what we mean by accountability is compassion and compassion is accountability?
0: Yeah. And I actually want to start with a very quick little disclaimer that I was thinking about when you were talking in the intro, Marie. I was thinking about this idea of setting up our classrooms and building community. And, and I was reflecting on my younger years and how desperately I wanted that to happen quickly. I wanted to be in that by the end of August. And I used to feel like not that great of a teacher when that didn't happen. And it never happened because that's impossible. Um, And I, and so I would encourage everyone to remember like in this conversation, although if you're hearing this, like when it comes out, like this is the back to school season currently, Mm -hmm. none of these conversations are about immediate results and like nothing that Marie and I do ever is, but that doesn't mean it's not lurking in the back of your head. Like how come I haven't gotten here yet? All of this takes time. And I also want to have another little caveat that this conversation we're having here exists in a place where you're also balancing communication from people who are saying, Well, I'm coming in to observe you. And how come A, B, and C aren't put together yet? And how come this behavior is, you know, here it's already the X week. And there's a lot of abstract pressure coming at you from other angles. And I can remember and I want to empathize with you in this moment. I can empathize remembering like, well, why did I want to have everything put together? Well, because I knew my first observation was going to be in the second month of school. And I wanted everyone to be on their best behavior because my worst nightmare in a classroom observation lesson was a behavior issue, not a content issue. And I mean, there's a lot, that's a whole episode for another day. (laughs) There's Uh, some psychology behind that one that we should, I mean, right. I know, right. (laughs) That's seriously like put a pin in that one, Maria, like put that on the post-it note list of future episodes. But like, I just want to acknowledge like in this space of talking about community, compassion, accountability, All of this is great, but we acknowledge that you could be feeling pressure from other places to be hurrying this along or feeling badly if it's not happening for you as fast as you'd like it to. So I just want to put that out there. I don't know if you have ever felt that way too, Marie, but I think that's an important place to start with our, our mindset.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, to kind of jump onto that too, it's, it's so natural. It's so human all the things that you're saying to, to say like, Oh, these behaviors all have to be in place. And I'm going to prep my students. If I know that an observation's coming so that they're on their best behavior and blah, 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 blah. But like the trick of that is that what is anybody observing if everybody's on their best behavior, right? Like if you think through it logically, it's more in your reaction and your stamina as a classroom teacher. And your in the moment, like, how you're going to take on any sort of behaviors, that's a way richer observation. I say this as a veteran teacher going into like, you know, 16th year. So like, I also know that as a new teacher, I never would have been like, I never would have taken the, well, what are they really observing? Okay, then what can I take from this observation to enrich my teaching skill? No, I wanted to get through the observation. I wanted to make sure I was going to get tenure. I want like, I and get evaluated positively. So like, I hear all of this, like Amanda said, take some of this with a grain of salt But also know that there comes a time in your career where we should be able to use something like an observation as a tool instead of some sort of like a, I don't know, overlord.
0: Well, and that's, again, like potential red flags for the culture and community of your building. Totally. (laughs) And like, that's something to nudge your veteran teachers about helping to adjust because that's exactly what it should be. And so it'll, and every school is different, but here's, okay. So here's the bottom line. Here's what you actually.
1: I took us to a totally different place there because it just got me thinking like, well, wait a minute though. Okay. Okay. Here's where I was going with that. Totally interrupting you. Here we go. But this is to actually like answer what you said before. So Amanda was talking about how these things take time. Of course they take time. They have to take time. Anybody who's been around a kid for more than a day knows that things take time. Building a relationship, yes, you can hit it off with a group of students. You can bond really quickly with a class or classes, but it's the maintenance and the consistency within that bond that's going to actually develop relationships and actually develop trust. And that relationship and that trust is going to be the thing that creates community, like Dr. Smith was talking about. And so like my favorite quote from that interview was her saying, well, do you want to manage your students or do you want to teach and like encourage them to learn and live. I I'm, I'm misquoting, but that's like the gist of it. Yeah. Like, do you want to create community where you've got learners or do you want to manage their behavior? Right. It's the difference there. You don't build community overnight. You don't build community in a week. You build community over consistency and time and you maintain it over a while. And that's how that happens.
0: And, and that's exactly where I think today's episode, we can finally like get into it. This is, these are the things we want you to keep in mind as we move forward, because I'm someone who beat myself up about that timeline. Marie's bringing us that truth, like that that's not how it is. But this is, this is the bottom line that I think I want our listeners to take away from this episode. We can be tough. We can have high expectations and still love our kids. Oh yeah.
1: And it it doesn't look like tough love. Oh, tough cookies, kid. You're just going to have to figure it out. But it does look like, Hey, I know that this is hard. I mean, we're going to give you some real legit examples. Like, yes, I know that this is hard. And I also know that with my support, you're going to figure this out.
0: And we're also going to hear that Marie might be the nicer of the two of us. I definitely was like, I was a very tough teacher, but kids didn't figure it out for a while. They were very deceived because they were like, whoa whoa like all, all of a sudden like you know they, they hit the line and I I say this is the line and they're like they're dumbfounded because they're like well I was having so much fun like what's <laughs>
1: Yeah, wait a here. minute. Well, and that is something to note too as we start getting into like really what we mean and what this looks like. Because we can talk till we're blue in the face, and you know we will, friends, about like, well, this is what it means. This is what, no, let's talk about what it looks like. Let's yeah. talk about what accountability with compassion actually looks like. But kids have been taught, as we were taught when we were in school, that you just keep asking for more. And if you give a mouse a cookie, right? And we will be the mice. And keep asking and keep asking, and keep going. And it doesn't mean that they're bad. It doesn't mean that they're sneaky. It doesn't mean that they're mean. It just means that they're really well-trained. And this is how they've always grown up, understanding like school to be in so a that, lot of ways. I think
0: that's like the first, but I think that that's where we should start then. I think this, what Marie is outlining for us is that parameters, lines, and boundaries We can draw those in a lot of different ways. Like, Uh Maureen, I don't have to tell you what your line is, what your boundary is. But that's, I think, I would say, like, number one, if we're going to make a list, number one is drawing lines and creating boundaries that are, number one, like, the number one way that I find that line is that the space of my classroom is safe for Uh everyone and no one feels unsafe that is a line that no one is allowed, it's a sacred line that no one is allowed to cross, whether that's with language, behavior, movement, you know, whatever that might be, academics. I mean, it could be any of those things. That is a firm line that my community of learners, like that we all we all lean into because it protects all of us. Um, so I, and I think that even though like when a student tries to cross that line or maybe even accidentally does, when we have a boundary, the conversation isn't about breaking a rule. It's about breaking a boundary. And like, th- there's a conversation there rather than a punishment. The conversations around like, well, what happens when this boundary, right, is not upheld? Like, what's what are the, what uh-huh. are the effects going to be afterward? And I think that that's a huge, really important place for you to reflect on and start. Brave new teaching listeners, I have to just quickly stop in and check on you. How are you doing? Are you ready for back to school? I want you to remember that there's so much more about back to school than getting your shopping list taken care of. If you're scrambling in your head and losing sleep about organizing your first 10 days, your first two weeks, your first couple of days, I want you to know that I've been working so hard all summer to bring you a course that will bring you peace purpose, and a sense of direction for your entire semester. My brand new course, The First 10 Days, is ready for you, and I am so anxious to get it into your hands. I want to share, first of all, a quick testimonial from a teacher friend of mine who's already gone through it and what she's experiencing. Take a listen. Hey, Amanda, I wanted to let you know that I purchased your first 10 days, and I am only on day two. I just got done watching day two video, and I absolutely love the content. Like, this is so, so good. I am so excited to go back to school. I'm taking all sorts of notes. I am re-watching the videos. I am really just like taking my time going through each video and the resources that you are providing. Um, I needed this. I told you I'm preparing for year number 16 of teaching, and this is so, so good. Whether you're preparing for year 16 or year one, I'm here to walk alongside you if you're feeling a little bit lost. Re-entering the classroom this year is going to be tough, but going in with clarity, purpose, and a real sense of where everything is headed you will feel confident and that confidence will transcend into everything you do in building the classroom community that you and your students deserve. I hope I can help you. Stop by the show notes today to check out and see more of how the first 10 days can support you getting
1: ready for back to school. Back to the show. So in a lot of this setup is uh, what we talked about in episode 111, where Amanda talked about her three R's and I talked about my three C's, which I've talked about in another episode before too, but it's just a way of setup, right? Of setup and maintenance in a way that makes sense, in a way that is actually doable of that, those boundaries, as Amanda's saying, what the parameters are, it's putting things out there, it's communicating them initially, it's communicating them over time to like Control accountability and make sure that everybody is the same and consistency and all that stuff. So if you missed that episode, also give that one a listen when you have a moment because I think a little bit more of this will click into place. I was just okay, wait, do you follow on Instagram? Or I think she's got a, a podcast as well. Dr. Becky, like good inside. It's a parenting one. No,
0: I've, I have i know I know someone else who does like how to raise good humans, but I don't like that's Dr. Becky at somebody. No, else. that's
1: not Dr. Becky. So she's a, I don't know if she's a clinical psychologist. She's a licensed therapist. She's, she's huge though. Like lots of people quote her all the time and it's because she knows her stuff. I was just watching a reel of hers like last night, I want to say, and she was talking about like with her four-year-old, they were having a meal and her four-year-old She said, do not throw that chicken nugget on the floor. I don't remember what it was. We're going to call it chicken nugget. Do not throw the chicken nugget on the floor. Kid looks her dead in the eye, throws the chicken nugget on the floor. She goes, I have two options right now. I can either make it a thing and punish and say, you will pick that up right now, or I'm not going to read you the book you want me to read you. Or I can continue to read the book, allow the community to keep thriving, allow him to keep eating. And at the end, he is expected to pick up the chicken nugget that he picked that he threw on the floor. She chose option B and she said, And what do you know? It wasn't a thing. I said, I had to remind him, Hey, that chicken nugget, he didn't even think twice. He picked it up, grabbed a napkin, wiped it up like what he had made on the floor, and kept going. And that's put into very simple terms of like a toddler at mealtime or a preschooler at mealtime, the same way that I like to look at things op- as opportunities when a student pushes a boundary or, or like violates a boundary, right? i promised I was going to bring this all back. It's that not only am I going to deal with it because we always need to deal with our students behaviors, whether it's in the moment or later publicly or privately, sometimes that's just a judgment call, but even just acknowledging, Hey, we're going to talk about this later, or, Hey, this isn't okay. And we need to deal with it. Maybe I'm not quite sure what to do with it right now because you just said something that violates our feelings of safety verbally or something like that, right? You've offended somebody. I'm not going to know what to say every single time in the moment, but I am going to say, I'm going to keep going with this lesson, just like Dr. Becky kept going with the book. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later because that seems like it violates a boundary or it seems like it pushes something that is not expected in this classroom and then you keep going, it like acknowledges and maintains community all at the same time. And I think that that's something that I would like to adopt more of as a practice. And I think that that's something we need to talk about more as educators is like acknowledge, but you don't have to break the whole entire like system in order to get at everything to move forward. But it's still accountability and compassion because you're like, I don't Yeah right? Like you're a hundred percent. It is both of those things. I think it is boundary
0: setting is community minded, not one-on-one like
1: rivalry minded. Um, it, it's not complacency either. No, it's, 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 what am I trying I'm like doing arm. Th- it's inclusive. It's including, I know, well, I'm, you know, you know how I get, I get very spazzy, but it's like including everybody in the conversation all the time. I think the best part
0: about it, too, is that if we were to like really talk about like these behaviors that are happening over and over again that are crossing these boundaries or are really pushing them is the conversation with that student then becomes what are the boundaries you have in your own life? And are any of those being violated? Like, how does it make you feel when your lines are crossed? And I think that that's something healthy, even for students who aren't pushing boundaries, to learn about themselves and uphold for themselves. I was not taught that in high school. I was not taught that ever. Well, I had no boundaries. I had no boundaries. Um, and like, you know, I think that it's just, it's great language. I think it puts it puts you in the right mindset. I think you can bring it up. Um, and so Marie and I were said we're going to be get really specific. This look looks different as you think about the different structures that your room goes through, right? I'm thinking about Uh the democratic seminar. During a seminar, we have expectations and boundaries for the kinds of conversations that are allowed. I'm not going to censor you, but I'm also going to say like this conversation needs to stay centered on the evidence from the text that we prepared for. And that's how you have some of those really hard conversations that we're going to talk about more this semester. If you want to talk about things that are really difficult to talk about that adults can't talk about, bring them into your classroom, but set the boundary as we're using the text that we read. We're not using our random opinions. And sometimes maybe personal experience is not the conversation, like just having boundaries and and, and enforcing them in a way that the space is safe, and that kids are learning above all
1: else. Well, and I think the reason that we're coming back to, like, both of us keep coming up with examples of like, all class something or a larger group something and one student, like, you know, the situation is a student or a couple of students are acting up in some way that violates something, whether it's in the middle of class, whether they're doing group work, whether it's a Socratic seminar and somebody's just going off on a tangent and you need to bring everybody back. I think teachers can get uncomfortable because they don't want to feel mean. Or they don't want to feel like they're singling somebody out or they don't want to feel uncomfortable in this way, that or the other. What we're talking about is accountability, not in a bring the hammer down on a kid, but in a compassionate way. It's accountability of like, I think we're going off track here or that is not something that belongs in this classroom. Let's come back to that. Or right, it's, it's to the point. It's direct, but it's not mean, and that's a, it's, that can be a fine line for some people. I know that. It can get uncomfortable.
0: It can be. And I think that that's kind of what we're trying to say about boundaries is, and we can move on to another one too, because I know that we have a lot more to say, but you have to have thought those through first, right? That's sure. where it comes down on the teacher: is you have to be able to anticipate some of these things, or ask other teachers who have done this before what to anticipate um, if you're re- if you're relatively new, and set those. Um, and so, I think this actually leads us into like the next part of compassion and accountability the way that those two things work together is through consistency, yep. upholding those boundaries, no matter what, because I can tell you right now, I know, I know I am a perpetrator no, a perpetrator. I am a uh, guilty. I am to- guilty of yeah. this <laughs> From early, early in my years of upholding boundaries with certain kids and not with others. And that is something I am not proud of, but I can, I can remember definitely, Forgiving some more easily than others. And like that builds a lot of resentment within relationships that creates fractions in your classroom community. Not to be confused with factions, this is not divergent, but it can really break apart your community when you're not consistent across the board with one, like all of the kids get that same conversation that compassionate conversation and all of them are reinforced on a regular basis as needed not sporadically and that's right. hard to do but it's going to make your it's going to make classroom your classroom environment that much better of a place to be when you are consistent and no matter
1: where you're at in your career, really, like we were talking about how yeah, you're, you were just saying, yes, y- if you're newer, like you might need to think things through. Absolutely. Also observe some of your colleagues, whether how, no matter how long they've been in the game, observe them, observe them, observe them, because you'll see things that you don't notice when you're the one that's up in the front. You'll see things from the back of the room or the side of the room. And also, and this is something that I've worked really, really hard at. This is something that Dr. Smith talked about in her interview also, do the work so that you know what is going to send your alerts going off. Like what is going to trigger your radar to go, uh, 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 and what's going to give you the flush feeling and the and the like uncomfortable sweat. So that when you feel that happening, because it's going to happen in a classroom, somebody's going to act up. No matter if you teach five year olds or eighteen year olds, like something's going to happen that like has your own personal <laughs> alerts going off. Be okay with that and figure out how to navigate that. Like that was, she was talking about like doing the work. That's one of the first pieces of the work so that you can stay as calm, cool and collected as possible and be able to say, hey, I'm feeling stressed out right now. And like acknowledge that however you're going to with your classes. That's like the first piece of being able to stay compassionate and keep kids accountable is also keeping yourself accountable and being compassionate with yourself. Like you're a person too. There are things that are going to set you off that you just have to figure out what those are and figure out what your own signs are that you're being set off so that you can like come to center before addressing kids.
0: I, and I think this blends perfectly into a third item on the list because these, all of these things work together. And I think for me, that third would be getting your pacing down mm-hmm. will absolutely make all of this. Like you can be more consistent with your expectations when you're not floundering day to day, week to week, trying to figure out what's going on, or you're constantly doing a brand new lesson, you're constantly googling ideas for lessons and not knowing how long they're going to take. I mean, student behaviors and students getting bored or chit chatty, a lot of times that's happening because like the flow of the lesson, they're Mm -hmm. finding holes, they're finding these places to breathe where Either the lesson's not moving where it's supposed to be, or there's not a routine in place where it's going to help mitigate that. And so as you start to get better at pacing, I think you're going to find that consistency and boundaries are going to make a whole lot more sense. Because let's say, for example, we talked about Socratic Seminar. Let's talk about a stations activity, right? Mm-hmm. In a stations activity, which is, by the way, one of our favorite strategies we talk about in episode something, something, 90. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, something, something.
0: something. Um, <laughs> a you station's know, something, activity is a wonderful like, template that you can use over and over and over again. And if you get it down to the science, you have boundaries set up for how kids operate within their small groups, how they transition in between stations, that boundary can be practiced and the procedure can be right. Kids can learn that. And then you can consistently reinforce those by having lessons planned and the pacing accurate. Because maybe the first time you do stations, you gave them way too much time Mm -hmm. at station at each station. So you can amend that, like not worry about the kids, like that's probably on you. And that's cool. The next time you do stations, like you're getting it to a place where you have got the pacing down. And then you can also be reinforcing those other things. That's huge when it comes to pacing.
1: So we've talked about just behaviors in general, classroom behaviors, community, relationships, that sort of thing with accountability and compassion. We've talked about actually like in-class activities, teaching a lesson, going through something like stations. The last thing that we want to touch on is assessments because frankly, as whether we like it or not, we must ask our students to jump through certain hoops. We must give them scores. We must give them grades because that is the system in which we work and exist, right? Like, think what you will about grading. There are ways to grade for equity and there's also ways to just assess in general that ask students to be accountable and that give them the utmost compassion without accountability. Um, And that's where, like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, we want to direct you to our free masterclass down with the reading quiz. We have in that masterclass three different formative, they're meant to be formative assessments because they are meant to give a lot of feedback. That feedback requires students to be accountable for their own learning because they're taking feedback and they're redoing and they're learning and they're going through and you learn a whole lot about it. In the masterclass, one of the assessments we talk about is the Sesame Street quiz. Amanda, do you remember what episodes that was that we've talked about Sesame Street quizzes so many times? Or 50 something? 54? I we will link right. them in the show notes but we have a couple of episodes where we talk about this About we talk about the, you and i are having fun but with the english you. language today so about this specific formative assessment but all of the ones that we talk about in down with the reading quiz are our, our masterclass it doesn't just have to be for reading quizzes it can be all sorts of different learning like i said they're meant for formative assessments because that's where true accountability lies in my estimation as a classroom teacher, you could use them as summatives, but assessing in a way that is equitable is compassionate and assessing in a way that requires students to reflect and look back and continue learning after they've been assessed is like top accountability as well.
0: We hear this word accountability a lot. I hear it a lot in Facebook groups and I hear (laughs) a lot of teachers really wanting to hold students accountable for reading. There's another episode set of episodes Marie and I did about teaching reading when kids are not reading at home. And I think that that without jumping off onto like another really long tangent, I'm going to send you to those episodes where Marie and I get into that really deeply. And the idea is that we are going to use formative assessment to do a number of things. Like Marie said, we're going to check in with kids and see where they really are. And a Sesame street quiz at its heart is both open-ended for interpretation and close-ended for comprehension. And mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about with, with compassion and accountability. You have to have read something to perform, but what you want to say and what you the connections that you make, the critical thinking that uniquely comes from you is valid and important and worthwhile. And so I think when we were talking about this before the show started, I thought, oh my gosh, like the perfect metaphor for compassion and accountability is the Sesame Street quiz. That's, that's exactly yeah. what I think of. So I hope you guys will check out both the episode and the quiz. The quiz alone is is great. But I really think that that episode and how Marie and I approach, especially if you're an ELA teacher, how we approach assigning reading at home and how we get through our units in a way that validates students' critical thinking, as well as their reading life, is really important. If you are Man, if you haven't thought through your reading ideas for this year, go listen to that episode.
1: Absolutely. So friends, we tried to keep this a little bit more brief, and then we went on a few tangents, but that's okay. But again, if we leave you with nothing else, it's that if you're holding students accountable, you are doing so through compassion, and you're also holding yourself accountable with compassion, right? Like you're a person there in front of younger people, and we, we all get to have our moments, and we all get to like, own it at the same time and, and still be okay and recover the next day. So with that, check out our show notes. We threw a lot of resources and episodes at you today. So when you have a moment, head back to all of those, we'll have them all linked for you. And we hope that you know that you have permission to hold students accountable and to also love your kids all at the same time. Like it's, it's real. It happens. It's a thing.
0: And if you are listening to this at the start of a school year, we wish you the very best school year ahead. I hope that this series did a lot for you in framing your outlook on the year. I know that it's been a hard few years. Uh, It's been tough. And jumping back in again after all of that is going to take an incredible amount of effort patience and mindset work on your end. And we hope that we did our part over here on the podcast to help you get ready for that. And that we're here for you in the short haul and the long haul, that this work is going to keep going long after
1: COVID and into the next crazy thing that we're going to face. Absolutely. And friends, we will be back next week with a whole new episode, same bat podcast time, same bat podcast channel. And now that I'm starting to quote television from the 1960s, I think it's time to go. What do you think? We'll see you guys the next week. Thank you for stopping by. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
0: (laughs) Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going
1: over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school.